you would turn in your Bibles to Acts 2, 37 through 40. We're continuing with it. Very short portion here. Part of the sermon of Peter. When I say the application, it comes down to the conclusion of it all. So here as I read Acts chapter 2. Verse 37 through 40. <clears throat> Hear the word of the Lord. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Let us pray. Father, give us understanding that we may understand the scriptures about you about the Lord of glory, about Jesus Christ, who is the very, very main, main character of the whole of Bible, even with all the other characters that run through the scriptures and the history of redemption. Jesus Christ is, first and foremost, the main character of this story. And this is why we want to learn more about this because you said, come unto me and learn of me. And so we do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Call to repentance. Peter called the unbelieving Jews who were there at Pentecost to repent. Repent. To turn around 180 degrees. To turn from living for the world and live for, for God. Turn from living for sin and live for righteousness. Turn from living for self and live for Christ. And perhaps there were also Gentile God-fearers with them from these other countries that have since come to the faith since these Jews were spread out in the diaspora when God scattered the Jews in days gone by. The remedy to sin is the same for everybody. Repent and believe and Christ receive. Repent, believe, and Christ receive. Last time, I, would have, I had you note, be convicted of your sins. As it says in verse 37, 
And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were cut to the heart is the expression we use today. When you all of a sudden have this feeling come over you, this sudden urge to cry out to God and to ask for mercy. This doesn't always happen. But it happened here at Pentecost, the preaching of Peter. When they heard the words of Peter, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they looked down and saw their hands with the bloodstains of the Savior. They were the ones who cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Are you pricked in your heart with your sins? Have you forgotten how holy God is? How your sins are against a holy God? How it was your sins as those who are his elect, those who are believers in Christ, that were the nails that put Jesus on the cross? And why he hung on the cross as long as he did? out of love for your soul. Were you there when they crucified my Lord as one hymn, one uh, ballad asks? Oh, were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, sometimes it caused me to tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified Lord. Tremble because of your conviction of your sins. <clears throat> because of the one who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That ye being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Are you convicted by your sins? Secondly, repent of your sins. Verse 38 of Acts 2. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Repent. We talked about that last time. Repent is more than just turning over a new leaf at the beginning of the year. It's turning over a new leaf, if you will, every day of the year. I could put it that way. It's being converted from your sins to Jesus Christ as Lord. And it's a conversion process that goes on day by day because we sin day by day. We sin. We have sins of, of thought, word, and deed. Sins of commission, meaning sins that we actually do. And then there are things that we don't do called sins of omission that we neglect to do. Such as honoring God. Such as putting Christ first. Such as following Jesus Christ who said, Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me and you will have eternal life. Are you sorry for what you have done to God? Are you sorry because you have broken the heart of God? Are you sorry because you have grieved the Holy Spirit who has chosen to indwell you and me to make us his temple, his abode? Our Lord says that I will come unto you in a little while, he said to his disciples. And I will dwell in you. The Father and I will dwell in you by the Holy Spirit. For godly sorrow 
worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. That the kind of sorrow we're talking about here is not just any kind of sorrow. It's not remorse kind of sorrow. You know remorse kind of sorrow? It's like what Esau had. It's like the feeling you get when you're caught and you know you're in for it. But that's not what is true godly sorrow, is it? True godly sorrow is how you are broken before God because you have offended a holy and righteous God who is now your father. And that's why. Because any other kind of sorrow is called the sorrow of the world. And what Paul says is the end of that is death. And that's not an option, is it? Because we want. But when I repent, I become no more sorrowful for my sins. Why? Because of Jesus. Because Jesus took my burden all away. I'm so happy, and here's the reason why. Jesus took my burden all away. Now I'm singing as the days go by. Jesus took my burden all away. Once my heart was heavy with a load of sin. Jesus took the load and gave me peace within. Now I'm happy, and here's the reason why. Jesus took my burden all away. Are you repentant for your sins? Peter would say later in another sermon to follow, Repent ye therefore and be ye converted that your sins may be blotted out. And the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. They will not only be blotted out in God's eyes, but they will be blotted out in the eyes of men and of your eyes. Blotted out in your eyes. That's how complete God's forgiveness is. And so, have you repented of your sins and had this joy unspeakable and full of glory to fill your soul? And thirdly, which is where we continue where we left off from last week, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? Because in verse 38 of Acts 2, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Simply, it's this. Be baptized with water as an outward sign of an inward work. Have you heard that explanation of baptism and what it means? That baptism is an outward sign of an inward work, meaning the work of repentance, the work of true repentance, the work of the Holy Spirit to work, who works repentance in your heart and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. This had been signed up before by John the baptizer. I don't give them the dignity of being called the Baptist because he wasn't the first Baptist. That came much later. But he was the baptizer. And I got this from one of my professors years ago, by the way. I got straightened out. <laughs> in Luke 3, 7 and 8, Luke, the writer of Acts, also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke 3, 7 and 8, what do we read? Then said he to the multitude, 
John the baptizer, that is, that came forth to be baptized of him. There you go, water baptism. O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And so, this had been signed up before by John, and that is their need to be baptized as an outward sign of an inward work. If indeed, if indeed they have fled from the wrath to come, if indeed they are bringing forth, bringing forth works meet for repentance, and stop saying, oh, I'm of Abraham, I'm of the covenant people of God, I'm a covenant child, I'm a covenant member of the church. Forget that if you're not living the life. If you're only talking the talk and not walking the talk, forget it. God knows everything. Who are you fooling? Who are you kidding? Maybe the pastor, but not the pastor, the shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd who gave his life for you. And also, reading on in verse 16 and 17, what? <coughs> Be baptized. John answering, answered, saying unto them all, I need baptize you with water. There it is again. I baptize you with water. Perhaps he had already done it. Yes, he did already do it. Now there's uh, others that uh, have, have come, and, and, and now he may be doing it again. But he wants to make it unequivocally clear, black and white. Clear as the nose on your, seeing the nose on your face. If there's one mightier than I who comes. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that is Jesus Christ, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge the floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff will he burn with fire unquenchable. For any of you baptized that way, that's what he's saying to his audience, as come along. Well, until you do, until you do, you cannot be baptized with water. Until you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, until and were any baptized by John, just so that we have the record clear, because it's not quite clear here in Luke. So in Matthew 3, 5 and 6, uh, we find the answer as to any were baptized with water. It says, Then went out to him Jeruz Jerusalem. All of Jerusalem seemingly showed up there. All of Jerusalem. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? The... Those gathered at Jerusalem at Pentecost. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea. That's the whole province. Perhaps that's a reference to the whole nation. Like sometimes that name is interchanged with Israel. You don't hear it that much anymore. You only hear Israel today, like, like in the news today with all the uh, war going on right now. All the uh, fire bombing and, uh, and uh, killing that is taking place right now. But, but that could be, Judea could be 
Israel and all the region round about Jordan. And that could include Syria and, and Lebanon and, and all those other places. Uh, they were coming from everywhere. They were coming from out of the woodwork, as it were. And then notice, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sin. There you go. There you go. So they were good to go in that they confessed their sins, they repented of their sins, they believed upon Christ, and now they could be baptized in Jesus' name. Have you been baptized before? And I'm not talking only about one baptism, but two. One before the other. To use the words of John, John 14, 16 and 17, our Lord says, And I will pray the Father, and he, will give you, he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither can he know them because for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. Neither, let me, let me start over verse 17. I'm, 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 I should be just reading this just so that we don't miss anything. And so I will. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. There is no way that you will not know the Holy Spirit if he is actually living within you in your life. Our spirit bears witness with God's spirit that we are the children of God. And so, have you been baptized that is born again by the spirit the living God. And then lastly, the promise is yours. According to verse 39 of Acts chapter 2, turning back to it, I hear your phones, the leaves rustling in your phones. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, and the promise is yours, verse 39. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise of salvation, the promise that is first given to Abraham and to his seed, when in Genesis 15, 5 and 6, it is said in Genesis 15, 5 and 6, I'm going to turn to it, because this is, significant. This is groundbreaking. This is what destroys, and I throw this out there for your curiosity to perhaps uh, uh, cause your curiosity to, to track this. This is what destroys, begins to destroy dispensationalism at its roots. And I've, and I've seen this begin to happen in some minister's life. Genesis 15, 5 and 6. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars, meaning count them, just like a teller in the bank, count them, count the stars, 
if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Meaning, Abraham, you will have as many seed as those stars in the sky. You will have as many seed as a sand by the seashore innumerable. I don't even have my own son of promise. And the one I have is unacceptable to you. But nevertheless, faith prevailed. And it says in verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he, God, counted it to him, Abraham, for righteousness. This is one of the very early examples of the imputation of righteousness. And that is why this is essential in the preaching of the gospel and not just preaching the blood. The blood will wash away your sin, but if you don't have the perfect righteousness of Christ, you still can't get into heaven. If you're not trusting in Jesus Christ for his perfect life to clothe you as a clothing, linen, white clothing, as it were, that will make you acceptable when the time comes for you to come into God's presence and you're waiting to be invited into the marriage supper of the Lamb, as I talked about earlier, we'll let you in. We'll let you in and not keep you out. Now Paul explains this further in Romans 4, 17 and 18. So Romans 4, 17 and 18. We've talked about this in our Thursday class before in our study on salvation. In Romans 4, 17 and 18. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Who is he speaking of? But Abraham. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, he makes the dead alive, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. God is about that all the time. Things that not were that were not at one time like the like the, the universe. He spoke it into being. Ex nihilo, which is to say out of nothing. Can God do that? Oh don't even don't even ask that question. It doesn't come on. Come on. If there's un, any unbelief in your hearts, come on now. If there are unbelief out there. All it takes is bring the scriptures to them and saying, here it is. And you don't need to argue in anyone into the kingdom. Let the scriptures speak for themselves. Either they believe it or they don't. Either the Holy Spirit enables them to receive it or he doesn't. But you've done your job and you can pray after it. And the God of the impossible can make all things a reality. And so, Abraham, promised Abraham and to seed is now coming to fruition with the preaching of Peter at Pentecost who is calling those things which be not as though they were who against hope believe in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be faith of Abraham. Is that the faith that 
we have, that you and I have, even as it was the faith of these Jews who were one time unbelievers, but, now, but are now the people of God. The promise of forgiveness in verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. We don't want to forgive, forget that. And yes, it is first through the blood of Christ. But as I said, it is also with the righteousness of Christ given to us. 1 Peter 3.18 Peter himself, in his epistle, says it. In other words... 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just for the unjust, there is the imputation already. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And so the promise of forgiveness, and then finally the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 38 again, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But as we already discussed, it is the gift of the Holy Spirit himself that is what we're talking about here. In other words, not just the experience, the experience of water baptism especially, not even the experience of the birth of the Holy Spirit, but Him coming into your life. Him as the gift of God. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11, it speaks there of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And just so that we have some clarification on this, that this is not about any gifts at all that the Holy Spirit gives. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, speaking of new knowledge, those that are inspired writers of scripture, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse or different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the same self, I'm sorry, the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. So these this gift of the Holy Spirit are not those, but the Spirit of God Himself. And this is what comes when you repent of your sins and are baptized and believe upon Christ. F.F. F. Bruce wrote, the gift of the Spirit is to be distinguished from the gifts of the Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is the Spirit Himself. Have you been baptized in both ways? Inwardly and later outwardly. You must 
be born again, Jesus said. Except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he shall not enter into the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I say unto thee, he must be born again. And he said this to someone who you would think was already born again, but was not. One who was equivalent to a minister of the gospel, a pastor of Christ's church. And yet, he had not experienced this yet, but would later. You must be baptized that way first, inwardly and spiritually. And then you must be baptized by water. And that's the order. And until that experience comes into your life and you become a new creation in Christ. The water baptism can wait. But if you have come to know the saving love of God in Christ, you may be baptized. For if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become Mark 16, 15, and 16, I'll conclude with, with this. We would have covered all four Gospels, or touched on all four. Mark 16, 15, and 16. There is an injunction, a command, to be baptized by our Lord. And his giving with, has been called the Great Commission. And it says... In Mark 16, 15, and 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. With the preaching of the gospel, there's the necessity, and the believing upon the gospel, there's the necessity for one to be baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Why I believe Peter was calling upon the Jews, this is an aside, to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, is because he was the missing one in the Trinity. There was no Trinity yet, until the Messiah took his rightful place, as it were, in the Trinity, and thus, the emphasis upon being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. But in the end, all of us, since Christ ascended to his glory, are called upon to be baptized in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. But also, if we have believed, we are to be baptized. But it's only faith in Christ alone that saves. And if you still wonder about that, why it is not faith plus baptism, because after all, did we not hear Peter preach that? And do we not see that here in the words of our Lord? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, that could be simply remedied just within the verse by considering the second part of verse 16. But he that believeth not shall be damned. As I said, until the spiritual baptism of the rebirth, until the Spirit of God 
points you to Jesus Christ, to receive him, to embrace him, to make him your own. You're not yet saved. And so baptism has no bearing on your spiritual state. And never has. It has always been Christ and Christ alone. And baptism, out of obedience to our Lord as a sign and seal of that very work of God in your life. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word and the clarity of it. And though sometimes your servant and your servants are not so clear, yet we know that finally there is only one truth. And the truth, especially that is before us now, is that only Jesus saves. Oh, that we might all be in the state of salvation, trusting in Jesus Christ and trusting also in his finished work. Lord, thank you for this message and pray that this will help us in better understanding our need of you in our lives and also the importance of our understanding the gospel of salvation which is the simplicity of God in Christ Jesus. In his name.